Hey, Zero Block 30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Did you know that this March, a whopping 86% of you will be sneaking peeks at the games when you're supposed to be working? It's the least productive month in sports, and Dave & Buster's is celebrating with an all-day $5 happy hour on March 21st for the first round of games. So ditch your second tabs for big screens, cold beers, and free Wi-Fi. But most importantly, stop pretending to work at the office and start pretending to work at Dave & Buster's on March 21st at participating locations only. It's a Tuesday edition here on Zero Block 30. I almost said Chaps and Kate again, man. I I know. I'm so used to doing it every morning. It's just in my brain all the time. Zero Block 30 is the show that we're doing right now. And today we're going to have five rounds of the magazine. I'm going to tell you a little bit about those in just a minute, but I want to have a little pre-chat goof with you guys. So I came across this Twitter question um, the other day. Well, it wasn't really a question how it was posed, but somebody said, would you rather die or the only thing you could do to eat would be share a banana with another person for the rest of your life? That's the only food you can have, but you have to eat it with somebody else at the same time. I want to flip the question around. If the only food you could ever eat for the rest of your life was a shared banana or a shared peach, which one would you go with and why? Ooh, real sloppy like. I'm going peach. Yeah. I'm going peach for peach. sure. So I prefer peaches to bananas. Bananas probably my least favorite fruit, mm-hmm. but in terms of sharing – Peach has a very distinct pit in the middle, so it would be very difficult to cut it. Wait, wait, I wait, wait, wait. And the banana, oh, you could no just cut it. You got to eat it. Wait. Oh, we just got to eat you it. You have to eat it. The person you have to share it with is Stephen Tyler. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> now think about it that way. And he's he's got a I ra- could stay awake just to <laughs> eat your peaches. <laughs> yeah. I th- and his mouth is real. I don't know if you know. He's got a real wet mouth. So think about this real yeah. good. But then I think, I think about people go. like Chaps, and their stuff's getting all in the beard, and True. then I don't know what I feel like about that. There's a lot of landmines you have to dodge there. <laughs> I, I think I'm going peach, even though I think cleanliness-wise, banana's probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would just go strictly on, because you're going to be sharing germs either way, probably not as much with the banana, but with a peach... I don't think I would get sick of peach as quickly as I would banana. Yeah, and banana gets the slime that a peach does not. I Again, I'm, I also, so, I'm still thinking I, I think, about Steven Tyler's mouth, and I just see him eating it sideways in one bite. Just, maybe you should stop thinking about that. Um, you're always thinking, you always have Steven Tyler on the brain. He is yeah. always, always on my I just, mind. I think, I think bananas would get to a point, too, where it would get bland. And it would almost just became, became become sustenance where you're just kind of shoving it in your mouth where a peach would last longer in terms of the flavor department. I'll tell you this. I would share a green banana with Steven Tyler, but not a yellow one. Oh, green bananas are gross, man. Those give you diarrhea, too. Well, yeah, they're not as wet, you know. Here's a fun sure. fact about me that you guys might not have known. I don't like banana, but I like banana-flavored things and mm. bananas yeah. in other forms. Like banana chips – those are fine. Banana flavored smoothie. That's cool. Okay. You but either have just, to die. It's the texture, right? Cons. Yeah, I think that's part of it. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. You either have to choose death or Steven Tyler baby birds, banana uh, chips, wet uh, banana chips into your mouth. 
All right, let's get the funeral arrangements ready. <laughs> okay. And let's make sure it's a good time. All right. I love having a little bit of banana chips. And the banana industry is fascinating. What happened there with the big time banana uh, purge that went on whenever they had a huge virus that took out many of the bananas. And the only ones that were really left were some shitty bananas. And that's what we have now because the original banana flavor from Brazil was much like the Laffy Taffy flavor that happens in bananas. And now we just have like the shittiest version of banana left. It's the last of the leftover. It's essentially the dodo bird of the bananas. This is the one that we have left. Chaps, quick. What was the banana? The flightless bird of bananas. What was the banana wars? Go. Banana wars? <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's go on to the second topic of the day. <laughs> second pre-round show. You don't know? I want to give a... Sp- the, mar- no. the Marines were in on it, man. Yeah, but I don't want to get. I don't want to come off as something that I don't know a lot about mm. the Banana Wars, so I don't want to stolen valor Banana Wars. Well, that's what we call integrity, folks. Yep. At least somebody has it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, also, before we really get going, I want to give a special shout out, Stephen Tyler, to the U.S. Navy's social media team. Huh? They are, without question, the greatest social media team of any of the branches, and it's not particularly close. No one comes close. I agree. I would agree. Especially because did you see what they did recently? No, no, they recently started leaving comments on Pornhub <gasps> on for the the U.S. Navy social media team, what? like made account on Pornhub and went there and were like, "Hey, if you're on this site and you're enjoying it and you're an 18 or above, you're eligible to join the United States Navy." Like, check it out from your local recruiter. I mean, genius. I don't hate that. Great PR move after the whole uh, keeping prostitutes a slave in rain thing with the sailors. <laughs> but, you know, you do you. I do think no, it's great. I think the porn goofing, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of porn No, goofing. I like, agree. Uh, on there, if you're on there and you're 18 and you're you're goofing along and you're just seeing something, maybe you see something you enjoy and a job that you might enjoy on sale in the The seats. other branches yeah. are like, why is Navy's? They're like numbers just spiked an incredible amount. Yeah. <laughs> I think you got to get inventive in 2020 because people just aren't going to be walking the streets coming into recruiting no. stations anymore. Yeah, we had that topic on the last Wait. show where the army is trying to get 10,000 new people. Like that's mm-hmm. maybe that's the way you do it. 10,000 people that are beaten off. You are in charge of, you're the, the one in charge of leaving the comments on it for Navy. Which genre are you hitting up? <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, your Navy, your water sports, probably squirting vids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking those great minds think alike. That's where I'm leaving them as well. Huh. Brilliant. Either that or BBC, where you have like just big old missiles. That too. That works. Glad I asked that question. All right. Anyways. That being said, we actually have our first advertisement from one of the branches of the service, which took a long time. I'm surprised it took this long. And they actually requested that Kant be the one who read it. So, who is today's show brought to you by Kant? the suspense is killing me well we know that many people listening to this show are civilians and that chaps kate and myself haven't always painted all of the branches in the same positive light well all that stops now the u.s navy has increased its recruitment goals for the next six months in order to meet the operational demand that arose doing due to temporarily halted training at its boot camp locations. For that reason, our listeners are going to get a chance to join the Navy and pick any military occupation specialty that they want. Jobs like special operations or aerial observer can be difficult to obtain, but if you walk into any recruiting office, and now pay attention, this is important, and you in the continental United States, and you tell them that Zero Blog 30 sent you, you'll get 
any MOS that you're qualified for. Whoa. Guaranteed. That is a ridiculous promise. I need to see someone do this and see if they actually follow through. That's right. No waiting. No recruiter's tricks. That's it? That's what the else? read? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Sorry. Nope. What else, cons? It's an ad read. We have to say it. They specifically paid for you to say it. They didn't say I had to say it verbatim. Yes, they did. It didn't where, ad read. Where does it say Navy's say keeping you afloat right now with our paychecks, buddy. You might want to read it. Even though I never got into the Naval Academy because I never applied, that shouldn't stop you from reaching your goals of becoming a seaman. You can be a United States sailor, and there is few things better than that. Mm-mm, that's not what it says. What does it say, Cons? It says there is nothing better than that. And what's the last line? What is it? What? Well, that's a, he said, go Navy, beat Army. I, I, I guess I, I think maybe. I don't know. I can't read really well. That's why you do the ad reads, pal. Go Navy, beat Army. <laughs> All right. That was the ad read from the Navy. Good job, Cons. We appreciate it. All right. That. I will say, though, hand up. Like, I mean, if you were trying to recruit young, what better way than to advertise on our podcast i really have and to giving them. out your i mean saying that any mos if you just go in and say zero block 30 saying you get any mos you want to that's pretty insane that's awesome that is so, awesome yeah. and i'm, I'm proud to awesome. represent them i'm proud to represent them and cons that was very integrity-ish of you to read it integrity-ish yes <laughs> yeah i'm glad that you did that especially since i wrote that ad read and sent it to Stephen che and they actually didn't advertise on the show <laughs> i just wanted to make you say all that shit <laughs> wait cons did you really believe that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't I believe that? What an That's idiot! What an idiot! What a big dumb dumb face! What a big... We could sell you. There's so many bridges we could sell you, so you're not one to talk. And chaps, oh, all right, touche. Nicely done. But as a man of integrity, I did do the ad read. And you did do the ad reads. Good job. But we yeah. will have those little snippets forever that Kyle can cut up and put in. Well, good thing I didn't say that to. last part. Yeah. <laughs> I love. Love it. We're going to have that little bit. I told Stephen Chair, I was like, send it out, make it look like a regular one. I'm get, he, Cons is going to be like, what the hell is this? And I'm not even going to respond. And what did I even do? What did I do in the group chat? I freaking screenshotted it, sent it to the group chat. I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah, you are. And nobody said anything because Kyle and Kate knew. All right, let's get going with the actual show of today. We have five rounds in the magazine. Round number one. They might be the best at social media, but they aren't the best at navying. Their weirdo systems that they have uses magnets to launch planes off aircraft carriers. And it's not working, even though it costs $13 billion. Round number two, West Virginia was in, this, in the news this weekend, and it wasn't for burning couches. The Mountaineer State tactically acquired some tactical vehicles, and people on Twitter were none too happy about it. Would you take an MRAP? We'll chat that up in round number two. Round number three, we're going to do a little Siberia goofing. A small town in Russia has reached its highest temperature ever. Why is that news? Well, just because I like goofing about Siberia. Round number four, Connor interviewed a candidate for the Texas 7th Congressional District, whose name is Wesley Hunt, about his career as an Apache pilot and how he's approaching campaign amid coronavirus and turbulent times. And round number five, can you imagine receiving a Medal of Honor and then having it taken away? That happened. We're going to tell you about the only woman to ever receive the medal, and her name is Dr. Mary Walker. Her story is unbelievable, and we're going to do that starting right 
now. Kate is having a little bit of, oh, you changed backgrounds changed again. Venues. You changed, I changed, changed venues, venues again. I tried to record the first part of the show out on my patio on the bay at the house that me and my family are renting right now. I say me and my family, but I am not paying for it at all. Anyways, uh, and there was boats. These boats kept going by, big motors and zipping around. Who would have thought there'd be noise on the bay? I on know. a busy shipping inlet. Kate, Can you do me a favor, Kate? Is blue facing you? Oh, yeah. Right here. Yes. Uh, okay, good. I just want to make sure. There you go. Kate, how, is, how is my state treating you? New Jersey is treating me as a delight. Uh, our family's been coming here for like 50 years. Same neighborhood, same area on the island, Seattle City, New Jersey. And so had my favorite donuts this morning. Mm. The cream-filled, white powder, white cream in the middle. Tell, mm, tell Navy like Bavarian to, cream? Tell Navy to leave a comment under that. Is that Bavarian cream? It's Bavarian cream. And it's only, if you're putting Boston cream, you're a loser and you're wrong. And oh, Boston cream is essentially pudding, It's right? horrible. Get it out of here. It tastes like plastic. So anyway, yes, I've been eating my donuts. I've been, I got my first giant sunburn on my forehead so far. Oh, sweet. Nice. So hanging with my family, biking around, doing all the good stuff. So yeah, there you go. Doesn't it, I, I've just, I've recently discussed this with people. Isn't it crazy how when you go down the Jersey Shore, your mood just automatically changes? As soon as I smell the sea air, because I've been coming here every year since I was, the only years I missed it was the Marine Corps. It was the four years that I was in. I couldn't go. Um, mm-hmm. And even then, my family sent me a huge Ziploc bag of the sand. They're like, just put your nose in there and huff it. They sent it to me <laughs> sand to Afghanistan so I could. Um, so yeah, as soon as I, and this is our first year on the bay. And the smell of the bay in the morning is just such mm-hmm. a delight. I'm telling you. Yeah. So Yeah, it's yeah. great. What's your favorite water-based smell? Oh, probably. I know this is a trick question, I feel like. It's not. Probably seagull resting on a reed. In That's the- your favorite smell. <laughs> I don't know. What am I supposed to say? The beach air? I don't know. Cons? Just the salt water? Yeah. I don't know what you're looking Those for are here. fucking terrible answers. But the it's- correct answer was gas on oh, water. Yes, oh, yes. You're right. Okay, you're right. Okay. Smell of gas we got a lot going by. It's a treat. Yeah. Kate, you'll appreciate this. And some people will probably be like, oh, you're a poor or whatever. Like, we never went, you know, to Disney. I've never been to Disney growing up in the summers because we just went down the shore. Yeah. And that was perfectly awesome. We loved it. That's I never had I- any desire to go to any, like, Disney or anything like that. That's why I never traveled my entire life until I went to California when I was 20-something years old because this was yeah, it. Yeah, same. I really didn't this go much. <laughs> I went, like, to, like, maybe, like, Florida before college. But, yeah. I, you know, once I got to college, then I traveled. But before that, it was like, yeah, I just went down the shore. Oh, I got my... You feel so fancy when you first start traveling. I remember when old Radio Bren was with us, and the first time we went to California... He thought it was like the greatest thing ever. Like, when we Whoa. landed in San Diego, he's like, man, I'm bringing my skateboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was a skater boy. Really good time. Yeah, what's new with you? How was Father's Day, chaps? Father's yeah. Day was good. I, I was telling you earlier on the Chaps and Kate show, but I think I need to tell Cons because he's actually the golfer of the group. Cons, mm-hmm. I had my greatest driving day of all time with the driver. That's, the greatest one I've ever had. That's a great feeling. when you Easily. Just, I, you was, just, I was average your own easy. Head. Easy 290 on every single tee, three, well over 300 on some. And the only people that were there to witness it were my wife and kids who did not give a fuck. I mean, no. I was, <laughs> there was one, it was a par three, like 360-ish, something like that. I must have hit like and got a good bound somewhere because I was 20 yards off the green, off the tee. And I just had to do a little chip up. I was like, this is my tee shot, guys. And they're like, oh, cool, dad. Well, 
They didn't, well, they don't appreciate I'm, it. I'm like, you don't understand. This is a fucking mash, man. This is as hard as I can hit it, possibly. I crushed this ball. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. No, I mean, because, I mean, there are days, like, even the pros, they won't hit a lot of fairways. So if you can get up there and you don't have to be in your own head worrying, all right, where am I even going to go off the tee here and just know you're going to be in the fairway, that's even better, I think, than how far you're hitting it. If you're just putting it in the fairway every time, it's such a relaxing feeling because there's nothing worse than the opposite when you're just spraying it off the tee and you're like, all right, well, what are we going to do on this hole because I'm going to be somewhere I don't want to be. So I know that feeling and it's a great one. So good for you. Well, the worst part about the entire experience was getting back into the car, cranking it and knowing that will never happen again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll never be able to duplicate that when people who actually know golf are there with me. Mm. Other than that, Father's Day was good. My wife made a um amazing from scratch talking strawberry shortcake oh, with like good from scratch whipped cream mm-hmm. and cut up the strawberries and it was like biscuity pancakey type of it was so good i ate so much of that last night and also kelsey's birthday was yesterday 15th birthday so we had funfetti with marshmallow frosting cake with that we were just caking it up it It was wonderful me and kelsey's favorite meal which is japanese stout curry with chicken cutlets we had that last night for dinner um before we had a little spend the night party so it was a good day overall i had a fun time i love this I, i was uh I didn't get to golf this weekend, but I was, it was nice. I got to spend time with uh, Alex's uh, family uh, both Friday, and then we had a very, very nice meal. Her dad is a very good chef. He cooked up of like a five-course meal on Saturday for us. I saw us. that with a little tiramisu. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, that tiramisu was actually last night. We went out to eat at a restaurant, which was very, very uh, good as well. But it, it's funny, and, and Chaps will relate to this, but when you really enjoy golf and you miss it for a weekend, I found myself – Last night, just searching for random things to buy for golf because mm-hmm. I know I'm playing Friday. I bought I bought like the most random things you could probably buy because I'm very much into uh, niche bespoke type accoutrement for your golf mm-hmm. game. So I just found myself doing that last night. And then one other thing I would like to mention that I saw this weekend that was introduced: Sean Latham, twenty dollars chef here at Barstool Sports. He did a breakfast charcuterie board. So we had all different types of breakfast items, but in the form of a charcuterie board. So it was kind of almost like finger foods, but for breakfast. And the way he presented it was very good. And I think that is going to be something that I hope takes the world by storm because I think that's just such a great idea. As someone who loves breakfast and loves charcuterie boards, I think that's such a great idea. Do you know what else should take the world by storm? Tell what? Sheer testicles. Testicles that are just smooth as a baby's bottom. Oh, That's yeah. why the weed whacker is out there. It's also for nose and ear hair trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you, you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time you take your ear and nose hair to make them look as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. We're talking face, folks. You have to go out there and make sure that your ears aren't getting out of control, your nose bugs, especially during a little <sighs> bit of coronavirus season. You can't have nose hairs flying all about all willy-nilly during mm-hmm. coronavirus season manscape is forever changing the grooving game whether you're talking about your dick your um i'll say it your coochie or your butthole whatever you need manscaped is there they have the manscaped weed whacker which uses a 9000 rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system it's intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and it's waterproof which makes for easy operation and cleaning the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery that lasts up to 90 minutes of use have you ever pulled your nose hairs out with your fingers oh i have 
and it fucking hurts. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do that anymore. You could just trim it up. Go to manscaped.com, enter the code zero, and you're going to get 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped.com with the promo code zero. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds, go whack your balls, go whack your dick, go whack your butthole, whack your, even if you have hairy nipples. This is killing me because I got my dad one for Father's Day. And no, it's I such a great idea. I don't want Let to me think, tell you. I only got it thinking about the nose hairs because he has a problem with it. And I wish that you would stop talking about penises. That's that's <laughs> not unique to your father. It's, it's something that I yeah. realize now. And, and you don't want your Kyle. dad to have <laughs> no. nice, clean testes? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm not Stop. talking about that, actually. <laughs> but something that Chaps and Kyle will be able to relate to, something that happens as uh, a man as you get older, is the rapid rate at which your nose and ear hair grows. It's ridiculous. So these tools are absolute must-haves oh, once yeah. you get over, like, 30. Or even That's under right. 30. <laughs> All right, let's get into the actual topics of the show today. First up, we're going to go back out to the Navy. We're going to do a little Navy talking because the Navy, it seems like more, I guess the Navy and the Air Force would probably be the top two of who just wastes the most money. Like they just seem like they, Marines can't get a fucking vest that fits, but the Navy will go out here and waste $13 billion on some magnet system that's supposed to throw planes into the air like a fucking catapult. What are we doing? And the other one, did you see the one that they use now? No. Mm-hmm. Steam? Yeah. Steam. What is this, 18, 1862? Steam? Oh, Steam? my God. What are we doing? It's ridiculous. What are we doing? Steam. All right, so I'll get, tell you what actually is going on because the U.S. Navy is still unsure exactly what caused a critical piece of technology on the first in class Air Force or aircraft carrier USS Gerald Ford to fail earlier this month. On June 2nd, during at sea testing, the Ford experienced a power problem that caused the here it is electromagnetic aircraft launch system, which they called EMOLS. Stupid name. You can't have an acronym that close to emails, which is a common word, and have it EMOLS. And also, what if you have somebody from a different area of the country that has a speech impediment? I believe email means pubes in Japan, so that's also very close. <laughs> and also, an emu is a flightless bird, right. much like the ostrich. Navy, what are you doing? You know, There hmm. used to be an uh, emu near, live near my neighborhood at a nunnery that is pretty close to where my village Maybe is. Maybe should have thought and about that. we named that emu Kevin was his name. Hmm. And he was lovely, <laughs> but I think he's dead. Hmm. R.I.P. Kevin. Yeah. If, if DARPA comes in and says, actually, Kevin's not dead, I'm going to be pissed. Right. They got us on Bob Dole. Leave us alone, DARPA. <laughs> they got to stop mansplaining to me who the fuck is dead and who's not. Let's continue <laughs> on. So they have the email system. And it, made, it failed so that they couldn't do any type of flight operations for five days. Unlike the steam catapults on the older Nimitz-class characters, the new EMOS on the Ford uses electricity to create a strong magnetic field that propel a carriage connected to an aircraft down the runway, throwing the plane into the air. We're talking 2020. We have all this technology, and we're spending $13 billion on steam and magnets. But I Still pretty think- cool that we're just throwing planes off of a ship, essentially, though. We're just like, go off. You know, it's like a, a mama bird throwing the bird out of the nest for the first yeah. time. We're just shoving that thing off and hoping it flies. But I think magnets, are, we are picturing just the little clippies we put on our fridge because we don't know anything beyond <laughs> that. But I feel like right. there's probably more to magnets than we understand. They're building those tube systems. They were talking about, uh, I think it's in Sweden or something like that. Sweden's airport. They're thinking about building these underground magnetic rail systems from the airport to like seven other countries. 
that can get you like a thousand miles in like 20 minutes or something insane yeah. like that. Like I feel what? like, oh yeah, like not a thousand uh, Magnets mi- are ridiculous. But they're talking magnets about are nuts. The, the train would be in a tube, not even touching anything. It would just be like floating in midair pretty much Hovering, propelled yeah. by the power of magnets at like a zillion, uh-uh. completely mm-hmm. silently at like a zillion miles an hour. Yeah. So I feel like. They're going to start studying that at Hogwarts. That's some dark art shit. Exactly. But I feel like there's more to magnets than the word. But, but I think you're right. <laughs> It does just sound – I think we should rename magnets, something more interesting. You know? Yeah, because magnets – I I mean, you know, I've been looking at more tools and stuff. They throw the word magnetic out there like it's something special. I recently got this little tool cabinet thing that's magnetic. You know what that means? Magnetic no. in tool world? What? It doesn't mean that it's magnetized. It just means that it's metal. Hmm, oh, I didn't stupid. know that. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to get this little cabinet and just throw my fucking tools on there and it's going to stick. Get Not it together, case. Navy. We're tired of your mm, magnets. Yeah. You know what's funny about this story, though, is I immediately, when I read this, I thought of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, where they just go in with a lot of jargon and a lot of smoke and mirrors and tell people about everything and like, hey, this is what we need to do to these planes. We need to put these super high-powered magnets all over them, and this is going to make them that much better, and everyone just like us, doesn't know that much about magnets. So they're like, oh, okay, nifty PowerPoint makes sense. All right, spend the money without really diving that much deeper. And then you find yourself spending $13 billion on magnets. I feel like they're- Jargon's so expensive. Like, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Because if you throw around jargon and you mm-hmm. use the right words, people assume that you know what you're talking about. I used to tell my canine handlers, if you go to a school, like a secondary school course, and the instructor says successive approximation over and over again, that means they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're just throwing out words that they think sound right and they think sound smart. But in reality, they have no idea what they're telling you. I like thinking of some bizarre world where these top science people in the military are listening to this. And they're going, these fucking idiots have no idea what they're talking about. Like when we talked about <laughs> no. the wave yeah, that exactly. the Navy has. Yeah, yeah. The or, fake ocean. Like these guys. Or they're sitting around thinking, shit. They're on to us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no figure these idiots out because the story goes on it says james hondo gertz is the assistant secretary of the navy for research why i don't understand why business insider who is where this story is from why do you put hondo in there like why is it with military related story you feel like you have to do the nickname i'll tell you this much i'm drunk because it's a good nickname i'm drunk at a bar I'm not that interested in a Gertz, but you give me a hondo Gertz, i'm my ears perk up (laughs) what's up with this true huh Little Hondo goofing. Yeah. He said, we're still going through the diag- uh, the diagnosis. We're doing a full fault oscillation to understand what caused the condition to come up that way, he said, uh, during a press availability. We're trying to do the exact fault isolation of how do we get in this state. Essentially, what they're saying is, we don't know what happened, even though this system cost $13 billion. My truck doesn't cost $13 billion. It's a 2009 Dodge Ram. If the battery goes out, I just go plug it into a little thing at AutoZone, and they tell me exactly what's wrong. Why didn't they do this with this $13 billion machine? That's a great question. Why can't it tell? Yes, you're right. That's a great question. I don't know. I love them saying we don't know what's going on, though. I appreciate the honesty. Uh, We don't actually know what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But who knows? But I do think it's cool. Like, you know, so many awesome technologies in the real world come from military stuff. So if they figure this out, I feel like maybe it'll lead to some cool shit. Yes, you're right. But now let's transform this into the civilian world. And what facet do we need catapults to propel things? Travel. Our shitty rail system that sucks donkey dick. Pardon okay. my French. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, a bunch of other smooth shit. I don't know. I feel like it could come up. Besides trains, can you think of anything off the top of your dome piece? Well, if they're propelling, we use this for. If they're propelling planes with it. 
for magnets that we can use the magnets or the, yeah, catapult, similar, system? the, the catapult system using magnets oh yeah uh roller coasters oh yeah Ooh, we need right. that if there's one thing this nation needs better roller Fast coasters, roller coasters. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to tell me you don't want to go to a magnet uh, a magnet roller coaster makes you go a thousand miles an hour buddy sign of me up of course i do of course i do <laughs> go up there and talk about fucking the supreme court again it'd be a great time <laughs> yes please <laughs> all right let's move on to round number two which was causing a little bit of a stir over the weekend on social media because what's going on in West Virginia, Catherine? Almost heaven, West Virginia. Virginia. Blue, this is a remix. Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah. I came in at a weird note, and then I couldn't backtrack. That's what happened there. Ah, I hate when that happens. I hate when you... Hold on, let me try it for you. Okay. Okay. There you go. Almost heaven. Nope, still wrong. Okay, well, anyways, I don't know with the news. John Denver was full of shit. A video that's only been up for a couple days now has racked up 6.3 million views. It's not the video's not that crazy. It's an MRAP coming out of a garage. Big deal. It's like three seconds long. Who cares about this MRAP coming out? 6.3 million people watch it because it's for the Moundsville Police Department. So during a national debate about law enforcement, a police department in a tiny West Virginia city has unveiled a gift from the federal government, a massive mine-resistant vehicle, a.k.a. MRAP. The Moundsville PD debuted the 2019 Cougar MRAP to local media with the police chief saying it could be used for hostage situations. In the 2019 is low miles, too. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. And hostage situations in a city of around 8,000 people in the state's northern panhandle. We could use it for uh, various things, said Police Chief this, Tom Mitchell. This police Chief sounds so much like a little kid who gets a gift well, that uh, they don't know what they're going to use it for. Yeah. Or like a husband, like he comes home. Like I did this whenever, you know, those meat trucks that you'll have sometimes that have like discounted meats on the back? No, that's <laughs> only something you would know. Yeah, but go no, ahead. Yeah. So there's, and you come in and you're like, what are we going to use fucking 96 steaks for? And I'm like, well, uh, various, know, things. various things. Various things. Various parties. I don't know. This is definitely that kind of vibe. Police Chief Tom Mitchell said, uh, you know, we use it for various things. A tactical resource vehicle, he said. That's not the jargon. We're talking about jargon. That's a hot. The vehicle was given to the police department at no cost to the city through a federal program. It was first purchased for the U.S. Marines. The vehicle's V-shaped hull, high ground clearance, and high hardened armor make them uniquely qualified for high IED threat operations. Which you need in Moundsville, West Virginia. Moundsville, West Virginia. So literally, the the main purpose of this vehicle is to keep people alive in case it gets blown up by a bomb underneath it, really, if you're thinking about Mitchell told in a very specific type of bond. In a very, yeah, built by Iran. Exactly. So not a lot of those amounts, <laughs> so that's okay. Mitchell told the paper the anti-mine vehicle had to be demilitarized. De- nailed it, Kate. Demilitarized before the local police department could use it, which, by the way, that's going to cost a fuck ton of money. Uh, so, yes, it was free, but that's going to cost him. Though it was unclear How? what that meant. What does that even mean? Exactly. Demilitarize a fucking M. He also noted the entire point. You painted a different color. He also noted that it could stop a 50 caliber bullet because we know in Moundsville, West Virginia, a lot of 50 cal violence. Well, that actually might be true. Yeah, Yeah, that actually might be true. That might be true. Who knows what they have? Oh, you're right. But uh, so one thing that I think people don't consider that the government's giving these things out for free, the cost of maintenance on these things. I was reading a story because this this program, I did a little background. Congress created the LESO, the LESO program, in the early 1990s to transfer excess DOD equipment for use 
in drug enforcement activities. That's how this initially began. Uh, and Congress expanded the program in 97 to allow departments to acquire equipment for general law enforcement purposes. Critics have blamed the program, along with drug asset forfeiture laws that allow small police departments to afford and maintain SWAT teams and specialized gear for what they call the ongoing militarization of America's law enforcement. Dressing and equipping police officers like soldiers makes them act like soldiers. And honestly, how many police departments, small town, have you seen where they're all geared up like fucking hardos in front of a big ass MRAP? And I'm like, you look like an idiot. None of this stuff is needed. Well, do you know the cost too? Like even for the government, even though they're saying it's excess, the the baseline, I'm talking the MRAP with like the non-power windows, the one that you got to roll up yourself. That bad boy without AC, $500,000. At the lower. excess. The Cougars cost around $700,000 each, right? And so think about this. That's your tax money at work. And then guess what? For whatever reason, they really not need it anymore. This one's only like a year old. And- I guess we'll just give them to the police departments now since, whoops, we ordered too many or we fucked up or we don't need but, them anymore. Kate, I think that you're neglecting one major aspect about a police department. Imagine little Katie Mannion mm-hmm. sitting there, second grade, seven years old, mullet and everything. Oh, yeah. Eating nothing but a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a couple chips. Yep. You're sitting there at your dare presentation. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, an MRAP comes rolling out. And instead of over the loudspeakers where they're telling the entire city to stay inside, they're just tell- they're just playing the bad boys theme. You want to be a cop right then and there. Do you think that that's like the best job in the world? You know, mm-hmm. my cop, my dare program, each of the cops had their own baseball card they would hand out to us. And the most popular Whoa. one was Officer Nudie on the duty. There was an Officer oh. Nudie who everybody wanted his car. Anyways, uh, to all those criticizing... How else would you keep Moundsville, West Virginia safe? Population 8,400, crime rate negative 45.25 below the national average. Nothing happens there. And this seems- well, because they got an MRAP, they will fuck you up if you yeah. start fucking around. I, I think there's a case of very, they didn't have to pay for it. They're just like, yeah, sure, we'll take it. That looks pretty cool. Because, I mean, if you look at this video, my only guess as to why it has 6.3 million, vi- million views. You see a video of an MRAP, you're just expecting the rock to jump out of it next. So they were just mm-hmm. waiting for the rock to jump out, and he didn't. Well, um, I, think I don't understand why they're still making them in 2019 if we have an excess of them, though. I don't care about the price so much because I think— Contracts. I mean, yeah, the, the contracts military it, yeah. spend spending is ridiculous. You, uh, make like, you don't need something. The price of it doesn't really bother me because, I mean, when you consider like why they were originally created, developed, and, and purchased for the military, I think there was a purpose for them. What's crazy is that then the enemy just got smarter and started adjusting their bombs. So instead of just shooting right at them, they would shoot up and at the uh, the doors of these things. But I don't know. I don't understand. Maybe uh, maybe that doesn't make too much sense for the, this town to have them. But I would say in well, very unique cases that, that they could be used. There's towns all over the country, little towns that are getting these. And I do think it does give a very us versus them, police versus the community it is not a good look. It is not that thing is not to protect and serve. That thing's not going to help de-escalate a hostage situation. It's going to escalate the motherfucking fuck out of it. And I just think it is the stupidest fucking thing. I think a huge reassessment needs to be done. And also, this is one of those things I look at when they're handing tiny small town police departments like million dollar vehicles. Just whoops. When people are crying like. Trans people in the military, no way. It's going to cost so much money for the. I'm like, shut the fuck up, dude. We're handing out MRAPs. Shut the fuck up. Like, I just. We uh, have plenty of money. We have we have enough, clearly. But like, I just think this is such a. 
That being said, uh, if I was a small town sheriff and you asked yeah, me if yeah, I wanted uh, MRAP, yes, that's my point. Buddy, yes, I'm uh, taking yeah, it. I'm I taking, take an, it. I'm taking yes. an MRAP 10 times they, out of 10. Yes. Honestly, they come and knock on my door and my vivid alarm starts going off and I get a beep that somebody's at the front door and they're like, hey, dude, we've got an MRAP. I'm like, I'll oh, take it. I'll take it. You know, yeah. all these towns, too, all these towns, the little ones, when prom's coming up, you know, oh, the yeah. high school kids are quick to be like, can I be the one to take the MRAP? Can I be the one to use that mm-hmm. as my limo? You know, that's a hot, hot ticket item for local proms. Because I would give a handy to. If my date hooked it up. Hmm. Let's move on to round number three. <laughs> okay. Uh, All righty. This is an Round number three. I'm excited about this one because this one comes to us from an area of the world. Do you guys know that I love Siberia? Do you know that? I mean, based on the me? fact that you love Alaska, there's a lot of similarities, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I think any, yeah, I- any out there little world i feel like is your cup of tea it is my cup of tea my favorite documentary of all time is called happy people and it covers this dude who lives in siberia and he got banished to siberia because those that don't know siberia is used much like australia is by the russians where that's where a lot of their convicts had to go they would go out there and just essentially look after all the different vastness of their wilderness that they would have, like their lumber industry and things like that in Siberia are crazy. It's called happy people. The dude got convicted of, I think like aggravated assault whenever he was younger, man, they sent about 20 years in Siberia. Like if you come back, we'll kill you. You can stay out there for 20 years and do good things and farm and stuff. He decided he didn't want to come back. So it covers him. He like chops down trees and turns them into cross country skis. He does everything by hand tool. It's unbelievable watching the things that are going on. But Siberia is drastically changing. There's an article that came out in Stars and Stripes that says, a Siberian town in the, has the world's widest temperature range has now recorded a new high amid a, t- a heat wave that is contributing to severe forest fires. The temperature, and what's that town called, Kate? Verkwansk. That's That was amazing. Yes, Verkwansk. Man, Brooklyn. did you look that up, how to say that before? No, I just made it up, but I broke it down into three little bits. It felt like, it felt right. It felt good. That feels really good, yeah. Uh, so it got up, in Verkoyansk, it got up to 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit on Saturday, which off the top of your head, cons, how much is that in Celsius? Say 70-something? Degrees no, that's Celsius? way 30, wrong. 50? So, I don't know the. I don't know the yeah, it's like forty. Okay, um, so no the town is located above the Arctic Circle oh, in the Sakha Republic, about twenty nine hundred miles northeast of Moscow. Think about it. Think of what you know about the climate of Moscow. Right, like the the climate of Moscow seems pretty intense and pretty cold because that's the reason why they have those fancy beaver hats. Right. This mm-hmm. is like three thousand. I did not know the Arctic Circle could ever get above like sixty. And it's 100.4. Yeah, so that's right. insane. That's exactly the point. So 2,900 miles. I believe it's almost 2,900 miles from, and this could make me look really stupid, but I believe it's almost the same from Jacksonville to LA. It's pretty close to 2,900 miles, I would say. It's a doozy. Pretty close to that. It's quite the trip. Yeah. Maybe. Who yeah, knows? Maybe it's 3,400. Yeah, yeah, but either way, it's a long fucking way. about 3,000 miles, give or take. Taking 2,900 miles north of Moscow? <laughs> That is crazy. And I don't know, yeah. at its lowest temperature, minus 90 Fahrenheit. So someone do the math there for me. 100 Fahrenheit and then minus 90. That's 190 degrees of a dip- temperature difference. You sure, this you place sure your math to. checks out there? I don't know. I'm making that up, but it feels yeah, right. Yeah, we don't know. So anyway, <laughs> that's just insane to me. And now, like the thing saying, there's forest fires all over the place. Almost 700,000 
Did I get that right too? Seven zero 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 acres are burning. So holy fuck. Yeah, six hundred and eighty thousand acres are burning there. Which I mean, when you think about the density of a Siberian forest and how if things are getting dried out and then a lightning strikes are happening everything's on fire. Kate, you actually came together with a little bit of facts about the place. Let them know. I'm going to let them know. And oh my God, can you imagine getting stationed there in the military with these extremes (laughs) and having to forget that? Uh, So in this village, blocks of ice are cut from the river and delivered to villages for water. And if you look at pictures of the town, you know how some places that are cold, they have the firewood cords stacked up outside the house. Here, they have blocks of ice from the river uh, because that's their only source of drinkable water. They the blocks are then melted inside the house, and that's how they get it. So it's pretty crazy. It's, uh, it's really like I watched the video on this. I think it was actually on Dodo. I wrote a blog about it. It's legit like that scene in Frozen where Sven takes the entire squad out and they're harvesting ice blocks. That's essentially what they do in Siberia for water. They go oh. harvest ice blocks with with like a pet mule or something. And they do have running water in their house, but it has to be kept at a super high temperature as it flows through to keep the pipes from freezing. So it's not drinkable. It's uh, whatever the temperature is, is not like safe for drinking. Uh, and then the temperatures are so low that sometimes batteries only last a few minutes. So you mm-hmm. cannot turn off your car. A lot of, I was reading there, people keep their cars just running all winter long, like 24 seven pen ink yep, plugged in pen ink freezes before writing. And it becomes dangerous to wear metal glasses because they will legit freeze into your fucking face. I'm guessing no contact lenses there. I'm guessing that's not mm-hmm. a thing. Like, the locals let their cars run all day, and they might not restart until spring. Sometimes they're like, okay, we had a good run. Um, they use thick fur. Like, they, the horses and the dogs, they have to get them super fat. Otherwise, they're not going to survive. You have to, like, beef them up all spring. And then they live in these little, like, yakket little – oh, a yakket horse. These small little I'm, – I'm fucking this up. I'm sorry. But there's just – No, there's a lot of facts. There's so many facts. facts. Them too. Because Siberia is super interesting, and I don't think a lot of people pay attention to it. Did you know that 10% – of the Earth's land surface comes from Siberia and Siberia alone. 10% no. of all of the Earth's land surface is in Siberia. Not only that, but there's a lake in Siberia that is called Lake Baikal. It is the largest freshwater, freshwater lake by volume in the world. It contains 20% of the world's fresh water. It's also the deepest lake in the world. Guess how deep this lake is? One and a half miles. No, I'll say three miles. No. Uh, 5,300 feet, so about one mile uh, okay. shit. is where it's at. But that one mile deep That's deep in a for lake very, is very insane. deep for a lake. Yeah. There's Absolutely. 330 separate rivers that feed into it. And they also have the longest railway, which is 5,771 miles in length. It goes from Moscow to Vilsvelskovic. And the journey lasts six days and seven nights if you're going all the way across. But you think that's all for a little bit of (laughs) Siberia facts? But wait, there's more. There is many more. Because I was blown away. They can have mosquitoes that are a size of American baseball mitts. Wow, that's a huge freaking mosquito. That's like prehistoric. You're like in in a place so rugged and out there. It's like you're hitting prehistoric times a little bit. Yo, here's the thing about Uh, people in Siberia too. I'm sure they're super proud people who live there and they're just adjusted over time and they know how to live there. But you almost want to sit back and say, like, do they know that there's other places they could live and they didn't have to do this? Oh, to you're from Siberia. You wear that shit as a bad. I bet right. they think the whole right. rest of the world is a little bitch. Oh, well, yeah, they do. Because listen to what they do to kindergartners, Kate. <laughs> kindergartners in Siberia run outside in their underwear, dump freezing water 
to strengthen their immune systems. Just cover themselves with cold ass water in the middle of the winter. They're just making them survive. Did you guys see that video of the, the swim instructor who just threw the tiny baby into the water? That's oh, like yeah. floating around the interwebs. That's what it's like. It's like, hey, just survive or die, basically. I like Hell it. I don't, no. I don't hate th- these methods. I do think ZBT trip. If we're so into it, if we're talking such a big game, we got to get out there. Siberia 2020? Mm-hmm. No, I'm all set on that. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> and also, just one more thing. Um, there was a vampire moth was recently discovered in Siberia, which was thought to be extinct over 500,000 years ago. Some of it thawed out, and they are finding different animals. They had, like, the original version of the Black Plague was re- recently found in an area of the tundra that was defrosted in Siberia. Siberia. There's a lot of shit going on there, and we need to pay attention to it more um, because it's essentially like the ocean of the land where you don't know now, what's going on. You think moths are annoying now flying around your light post. Imagine having one outside your house, but hearing this all night. Blah, uh, 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 uh. But That's if you a- like to do a little animal <laughs> okay, goop and one last, <laughs> one last moment, uh, one last fact about huh. Siberia. If you like animals, there's a chance for you to really see tigers. Because there's a zoo in Siberia where visitors can visit and purchase a live duck, chicken, pheasant, sheep, or even a cow and watch it get fed to tigers while you just sit there and watch. It just slaps. Crazy. Childhood just slaps a little different over there, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, everything slaps a little different in Siberia. Let's move on to round number four, which was Khan's interview with one of his buddies. Here it is. All right, joining us now on Zero Blog 30 is uh, Wesley Hunt, who is a veteran who is running for office to represent Texas's 7th Congressional District. So, Wesley, welcome to Zero Blog 30. How are you doing? Happy to be here. Good, good, good to have you. So, thank you. So, let's start with just a, a brief overview. As I mentioned, you were a veteran. So, let's start with a, a brief overview of your military service. And, spoiler alert, Wesley was a pilot, so you can brag about that because I know that's how you Apache guys like to do it. So just go ahead. I'm getting that out of the way. Great, man. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And given all these times, it's good, it's good to see some smiling faces and have some levity, man. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, born and raised here in Houston, Texas, where I'm actually running for Congress now. Uh, come from a military family. So my dad did 23 years in the Army. Sister is a West Point graduate, class of 93. She did 23 years uh, active duty military intelligence officer. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think you had the privilege of having her as an instructor at West Point. Yes, she, she actually, she was one of my math instructors and I did not like the math classes we had to take, but <laughs> she was such like a bubbly smiling person that she made class an enjoyable place to go to even though we were learning math. That's right, you know, she's, yeah. she like literally is what started the whole thing. I mean, she's 10 years older than me. And so she went to West Point first. So she's literally like one of my role models. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I went to West Point 10 years later, graduated class of 04, two years behind you, Connor. And then uh, my brother is class of 2005 West Point. So it was about uh, almost 60 years worth of military service just in my immediate family. That's kind of mm-hmm. where it all got started. Um, but went to high school here in Houston, school called St. John's, and then uh, finished up West Point 04. Um, then from there, went directly to uh, uh, flight school. And, you know, you made a joke about being a pilot. You know, the question is always, how can you tell if somebody's an Apache pilot? They'll tell you. They'll tell you, right? Yeah, just, just, just wait. Just wait. They'll tell you. Just give it, give it a while. Yeah. Give it at least a minute and a half. A minute and a half. Yep, it'll yeah. come out, right? 
Uh, so did that, uh, got out of flight school, oh, uh, and immediately deployed to Iraq in 2006 out of Fort Hood, Texas. Okay, and where were you in Iraq? So I was in Camp Taji up, up north, and uh, call sign Green Dragon. So we, you know, we flew missions throughout Baghdad proper uh, mm -hmm. for, that, for that year, and just an incredible experience. Got to see some combat, but most importantly, the guys on the ground and watching what they did every day is just one of those things where it will change your life. I mean, mm -hmm. those are American heroes kicking down doors. You don't know where that next IED is going to be. And they go out and they answer the bell and answer the call every day in 120 plus degree heat. Mm -hmm. That will change your life about how you feel yeah. about sacrifice in this country. Um, and I, you know, I must say, like, it was always nice when you would have some, some help come on station, depending on what you were doing, especially if it was nighttime and you couldn't see two feet in front of you. It was always nice when, you, you know, the pilots would come on station and, and let you know they were there to help. So, uh, so one, but one, 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 one quick story, if you don't mind me telling you this. Absolutely. Time. Go ahead. <laughs> I met a dad uh, at, a, at, a, at a West Point event here in Houston. And he came up to me and basically was like, you know, I think you may have been one of the pilots that was on, that was on station that saved my son's life. And so wow. he went on to describe this very similar event that I had. And I think coming to find out I was the Green Dragon guy that, that got called on to, to try to help out with uh, uh, some sniper fire and an IED. And I met this guy's dad uh, actually back here in December. So it was a... And that was just moving, I'm sure. Oh, I mean, come on, man. Like, I, I teared up immediately. He gave me a big mm -hmm. old haul. I was like, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure it was you. And I was like, wow. That's, no. So really, that's, really that's cool special. experience. Again, it's my honor to, it's my honor to, cover, to cover, cover, cover those guys, man. It mm -hmm. was unbelievable. Yeah, um, and then so it also, I saw here you had a couple of deployments to Saudi Arabia. Right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I did two, I did two years there, two tours there as a diplomatic liaison officer. Um, the Saudis buy a lot of our equipment, particularly the Apaches. And what I did was kind of, you know, help out with the foreign military sales piece and a diplomatic piece with, between Boeing and the Royal Saudi Land Forces and their purchase of our, of, our, of our equipment. Again, fascinating time for me, man, because, again, like in 2012, when I left there, like, like women still didn't have the right to drive a vehicle in Saudi Arabia. Hmm. That's you know? crazy. And, and so, yeah, it's crazy. It, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And for me, it would always put things in perspective the second I would land in the U.S. after being there for so long. It's like, you know, we have, we have some real special going on here. We aren't perfect, but by God, this is as good as it gets in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, but even aside from that point, just seeing how that part of the world just operates in general from a diplomatic standpoint was just a, a great two tours of duty. Mm -hmm. um, so finish how, up there. Go ahead. Well, I'm sorry, just, but like, what was the even... Does, did someone come and recruit you and say, hey, you're an Apache pilot. We, we need you for this assignment or you, you kind of sought it out yourself? I was in a career course. I was in the captain's career course and it kind of popped up on one of the things on the bottom, on the bottom of the list. And mm -hmm. again, not highly sought after, but also not a lot of people didn't really know about it. I happen to have my, my uh, top secret clearance. Actually, and I was one of the few captains who did in the class. So I asked about it and they said, Sure. I mean, if you want to pursue it, you know, we could see if that bill is going to be open for you here in the next few months when you roll out the course. And it was. Mm -hmm. Well, lucky for you, because that seems like a pretty choice duty station in terms of deployments. It, it, you know, <laughs> well, first of all, it was hot, man, as you could probably yeah. hot as hell as you could imagine. But no, I think it was I need to be able to travel that region, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I got to go to, you know, Bahrain. That was that was right up there, you know, to go to uh, uh, Dubai. Mm -hmm. uh, 
um, in Turkey and uh, you go to Egypt. I learned how to I learned how to scuba dive in the Red Sea, which is pretty cool. So that's that's a cool little cocktail party story. But I mean, you're you're right though, because that's that's a part of the world that I think so many people just will never get to travel to, and it's just yeah. filled with with so much that that's going on in really fascinating times. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure as uh, serving as a diplomatic liaison officer that kind of lends itself to, to what it is you're trying to do now. So you, you leave the military and I, I want to read this just from your website because I, I'm going to brag on you a little bit. This was impressive. Upon completion of his military service and honorable discharge as a captain, Wesley attended Cornell University, maybe you've heard of it, and earned a Master of Business Administration, a Master of Public Administration, and a Master of Industrial and Labor Relations. Wesley, what the heck, man? That's a lot of freaking degrees. It is, yeah. Three master's degrees in four years and in three different disciplines at Cornell was interesting. But, but, but again, the hardest part about it was the Cornell winners, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. It gets, it gets very, very treacherous up there with all that snow up there in Ithaca. Yeah, you would know. Yeah, you're from up here, man. It's mm-hmm. else. Um, but I, I pursued it because, you know, you're looking at, you know, money, policy, and people. You know, right. the FBA, the public administration degree, and labor relations. And I think that's where all the rubber meets the road. If you're pedagogically sound in those three disciplines, you can lead anywhere and anything. Um, and because a lot of my experience was in the military, I needed to kind of make sure that I had a very strong academic background, given my age, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to get to the point to where people would really trust me with leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was, I was able to actually fulfill that. The best degree of the three of them was the IRR degree. Okay. Because a lot of people think that, you know, money, a lot of people think money is really important. How business works is really important. Uh, Policy, I I think uh, there's a symbiotic relationship between policy and business. It just Mm -hmm. public private partnerships, you name it. Um, But the IRR degree taught me about human capital. Okay. You find out very quickly that there is no policy and there is no business without the human beings behind it. Right. Makes and a lot of sense. That is that that was a fascinating, you know, epiphany that I came to during that degree. Okay, I understand. And yeah. I just want to understand a little bit more though. Like did you set out to say like all right, I want to get these 3 degrees or you were going to get your MBA and decided why not get the other two? What was the process like? Yeah, I think I'm 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 sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. I think I might be the only person at Cornell that's ever done that. Well, that's there you go. That's awesome. In particular. And so I actually started off there doing a, uh, doing a joint program between the MPA and the MBA. And then I took, I took some elective classes at the ILR school about mm-hmm. halfway through. And one of the professors there, you know, pulled me off to the side and said, you know, if you would like to pursue this, you have some credits that you've got with the first two and we could probably make some concurrent if you're interested. And I said, look, I was, um, spoke with uh, the head of the department and and got in. Okay, and so at that point, did you know you wanted to get into politics? Because I mean, you get, now you got more degrees than a thermometer, and you said, "All right, I'm going to go into a profession where half the people, half the time, are not going to like me, and they're going to disagree with me." So why why did you make the jump to run for office? I think at some point uh, in my life, I decided a long time ago that at some point this would happen. I didn't think it would happen before the age of 40. Mm-hmm. I came back here and, and, went, and went to private industry for a few years. But I think at some point I wanted to do that because as you know, we're just kind of wired a different way. Sure. Like, like service is something that is always in the back of our minds. And if I'm not pursuing it or if I'm not trying my best to, to do something outside of just, you know, you know, self-serving things like, you know, raising a family, you know, mm-hmm. I have a with a with a 16 month old daughter 
and a child on the way to. And so, you know, those things are obviously very important, but then what am I doing to, to fulfill my civic duty? Mm-hmm. And if I'm not doing that or pursuing that, I'm kind of, there's a part of me that's empty. Uh, my brother and sister and my dad and my mom, they're, they're all the same way. They're always doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people like us <laughs> that we've talked about that have been in combat, you're right. Half the people don't like you. And I found that, I found that out real quick. Mm-hmm. No matter how good a picture you take, no matter what you do or what you say, half the people are not going to like it. Right. But at the end of the day, well, I always joke about, you know, when, you, when you've been shot at before, you can, you, can, you can deal with the half that doesn't like you that much. Yeah, the, those words, they don't sting quite as much as a bullet might. No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, you know, that resonates with me. You know, you say like, we're wired differently. Some of us like you, you run for Congress. Others, you know, have a military podcast. It's basically the same thing. It's, right, right. it's, it's just different types of service. I, I you know, I get, I get what you're, you're, you're talking about there though. But it, it's funny. You mentioned yourself. Do you guys have a little bit of a sibling rivalry going that you're like, all right, now I got to run for Congress just to really show them up. You know what? You know what's funny about us? My brother, my sister and I are 10 months apart, 10 years apart. Mm-hmm. My brother and I are 10 months and eight days apart. Well, so we are, my, bro- my brother's my best friend. Right. We don't, we don't have a rivalry. It's just, mm-hmm. it's one of those things to where it's like an iron sharpens iron kind of thing. My brother's my best friend. We talk three times a day, much to the chagrin of our wives. Um, but we are, we are very close. And my brother, my brother's a complete stud. So he goes to West Point, graduates top 10% of his class then goes to, you know, into the Navy. He crossed the missions into the Navy, then goes to Harvard Business School, mm-hmm. then becomes a White House fellow. And so when you're the older brother, you're looking at your younger brother doing these things, you're like, come on, Wesley, like, yeah. you can't be a slacker, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like, even if you had done one of those things, you'd be an accomplished individual, but like, <laughs> all of them, and you're like, all right, geez, now you're really setting that bar pretty high. Oh God, yeah. Okay, so now we're, we're campaigning amidst the coronavirus. What that, what's that been like? Because, I mean, you think campaigning, you think about, you know, getting out there, shaking the hands, kissing the babies. You can't really do that amidst what's going on. So how's that been like for you? It's been, it's, we have adapted well. We put together a pretty good team that, that's taken advantage of a lot of Zoom calls, as you could imagine. We're doing mm-hmm. a, a lot of phone banking. I'm making a lot of personal calls. And actually, as of last week, we're just now starting – to, to, to knock on doors safely with social distancing, masks and gloves, I will have mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, doing it, but doing it in a way to where we can start reaching the community and getting our message out there uh, as to why I'm the best candidate uh, for this for this district here in, here, in, here in Houston. Okay, and I mean, you know, right now, just considering what's, what's going on, we're, we're coming off the horrific murder of uh, George yeah. Floyd, uh, and we're dealing with that as a country. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of turmoil in politics. I mean, politics has always got a lot of turmoil, but it seems like more now than than ever. So how is this going to impact you specifically as you you campaign this fall? Has the the Black Lives Matter movement shifted where you think you need to campaign or how you need to campaign in any way? I think it hasn't really changed my, my mentality. I've gone into this always being the person to best represent this district. Mm-hmm. And those principles haven't changed. And so Congressional District 7 is the, uh, is the energy capital of the world. Is, is the energy capital of the world. Uh, Houston, is, Houston is, is the energy capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And this district has the energy corridor in it, which makes it kind of the energy district of the world. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So my campaign is going to be on preserving the jobs here in Houston. And when you're looking at what the other side is proposing with the Green New Deal, 
I mean, that we saw what happened in Detroit when the automotive industry left and, and Pittsburgh when the steel industry left. And that could easily be my Houston, Texas. And so I'm making sure that I'm fighting for those jobs. And that, I'll tell you something, that knows no race, that knows no color, that knows no creed, that knows no movement. We are talking about jobs here in Houston, and that's my focus. Okay. I mean, do you feel any added sense of responsibility as, as a black man to, to speak up about the Black Lives Matter movement? Or, you know, is that... Yeah, no, no, no. I, I ahead. think that, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, the black, so I, I feel like what, what, what we have seen and, what, has, and what, what we have to understand too is that as horrific as the death of, uh, of Mr. Floyd's death was, when it, and it was disgusting, and I think, I don't think anybody even disagrees with that. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> this, is not a, this is not a partisan issue. Like, no, no one agrees with that. I was, I was talking to, to some Houston Police Department uh, officers the other day, and, they, and there, was, there is a consensus here that mm-hmm. that was disgusting. But we can't let one bad apple spoil the bunch. Okay. We have a lot of good police officers that are out here trying to do the right thing. And we, we need to make sure that we, we, we acknowledge that and we, we empower law enforcement to get rid of the bad apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far, as far as me being a black person running, I'm here to tell you that we don't need fewer black people in Congress. We need more. Yeah. Democrats and Republicans. Right now, there's only one Republican, and I, I want to say that on the, on the Democrat side in the House, I want to say it's 8.5% and we're 13% mm-hmm. of the population. Um, and on the Senate side, they're out of 100 senators, there are two black Democrats and there was one, and there was one black Republican. So by virtue of me running for office, I feel like that's my contribution to civil rights. That's my contribution to having this narrative is just having a black person that's in the room to have conversations. I have been racially profiled. You know, I have been looked at differently in my life. Mm -hmm. And so just to have somebody that understands that, that's helping to make laws to add that perspective is what I want to bring to Washington. But I also want to be clear, it's not just about black people. Right. It's not about, it, it, this, is, this is about this country. Mm-hmm. This is about us working together. One minority group isn't going to change anything. As you know in history, in Millard, we talk about this all the time, the only way to change things is if everyone works together. Right. Law enforcement has to work with the community. The community has to work with law enforcement. Legislators have to work at the federal level, the state level, and local level. And guess what? We all look different. We're all different race, colors, and creeds. So we can sit around here all day and try to divide ourselves up with the colors of the rainbow, red, blue, green, all. Uh, look, bottom line is we have got to work together to get this done. And that's the message that I want to bring to, to Washington. I think that's a very I- important one. And I, I appreciate how eloquently you described that. And I think that's a very important stance to take. So thank you very much for that. Sh- shifting gears, you know, back to, to Washington, though. Uh, I read an, actually an interesting op-ed in the Washington Post today with regards to uh, West Point's graduation that occurred on, on Saturday. I'm not sure if you saw that or read anything about it. but The whole the, thing. Okay. <laughs> then you're well-versed on what I'm about to ask you then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so the, the, cru- the crux of the op-ed was how you know, President Trump could potentially be using West Point and specifically this graduation as a political prop. And he, he did it for the photo op and, and, and for no other reason. How do you react to hearing that? Um, so the president makes a rotation at every academy's graduation. Yep. It was his year to go, number mm-hmm. one. So that, that's, that's just not true. Um, and the other thing is this. You know what it's like to throw that hat up in the air. 
Mm-hmm. You know how many times you, you've imagined it, dreamed of it, thought of it for four years at West Point, one day at a time, one formation at a time, one football game at a time, mm-hmm. one prayer at a time. You understand this. Mm-hmm. So the idea of taking that away from those cadets is, is, is ridiculous. Um, there is a safe way to do it. As I watched it, it was very safe. It was social distance. The ceremony was one of the best ones I've seen. I couldn't imagine seeing it on the plane. Yeah, that um, was a little weird. Plane. And then yeah. I, I actually commented to, to my other co-host this morning. I wonder how long it took to set up all those chairs perfectly in order the way they oh had. <laughs> one thousand one hundred and seven chairs. Too. Yeah. You think about the rehearsal? <laughs> that to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. But also, if you notice that there was an Apache that was right there on the plane. I did. I just, did. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, I figured you might notice that, too. And also, one flew over when they threw their hats up. So that's a new thing that they just started doing now, too, with the flyover with the, with the hat toss. I thought that was a great touch. So, yes, yes, uh, yes. no, I, I, agree, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I think so often now, and especially with social media, where it seems like basically everybody has a voice if, if you want one. Uh, they're just always looking for, for ways to nitpick at, at both sides of the aisle, both, both left and, and right, Democrat and Republican. Uh, so it's almost kind of like navigating a minefield a little bit. How do you feel about being in politics now in 2020, navigating social media and what seems like the constant backlash that no matter what you say, somebody's going to be coming for you? Right. So great question. <laughs> that, that's, that's the question that scares people from running for office. That's mm-hmm. the question. And again, you have to have thick skin. You have to be resolute in who you are, be confident in your background, be confident in your intent to continue to serve. If you can lay your head down on the pillow every night and know that that's in your heart, then, then, you'll, be, then you'll be just fine. But what I really want to do is be a part of a coalition to help out guys like Dan Crenshaw. Um, I think you've had him on, right? Or yes, no? we have. We have had Dan on. I want to be, uh, you know, Dan Crenshaw begats a Wesley Hunt, a Wesley Hunt begats the next person and the next person. And then you wake up and you have a coalition of young veterans, both sides of the aisle, I don't really care, that are willing to put this country first. That's Mm -hmm. how we navigate this minefield. We do it together. I think last cycle was the fewest number of veterans that we've had in Washington since World War II. And again, like we need, we don't need fewer black people in, in Congress, we need more. We don't need fewer veterans. We need more because we understand that mm-hmm. we don't, we're not going to just vote one way the entire time because, you know, we're supposed to, right. We are going to do what's right for the people in our district. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the biggest issue that I have with our current Congresswoman, Lizzie Fletcher, is that she has voted with Nancy Pelosi 99% of the time. And, and I, and I can assure you that in the district of George, uh, of George HW Bush, and a 40-year Republican seat, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, siding with Nancy Pelosi, 99% of the time is not anything that represents this, this, this district properly. And we talk about the word intestinal fortitude and all those cool army words. Now, all of a sudden, I used to make fun of that, Connor. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> it's like the word well, intestinal it, fortitude it takes, is... It takes a lot of intestinal fortitude to, to vote and to think with your own brain and your own heart and not just blindly follow someone else and what they're going to do. So I can absolutely appreciate that. You got it, Connor. Thank you. Perfect. So I, I guess maybe the last question I would ask is, you know, as you try to now flip your district, you know, back to a red district, what would you say to the people of Houston uh, to let them know who you are and what you stand for and, and get them to, to vote for Wesley Hunt come this fall? I want them to know that I will not vote 99 or 100 percent for any speaker, minority leader, you name it, I will vote 99 to 100%, 99, I will vote 100% for the best interest 
other people that are in our district. And that's making sure that we protect the energy jobs here. Obviously, we need to continue to innovate. Obviously, we need to be good stewards of our earth. But if we don't get India in line and China and Russia, who is increasing their carbon footprint, we're talking about destroying the oil and gas industry here in Houston at no gain to the globe. And I want the people in Houston to know that I'm going to fight for that tooth and nail every day in Congress. Well, Wesley, that's awesome. And, you know, I can't think of uh, better things than more, you know, veterans, good veterans uh, in Congress. I think that would go a long way to help us uh, continue to, to improve uh, as a country. So, I, you know, I wish you the, the best of luck uh, this fall. And as always, beat Navy. Of course, beat them. <laughs> beat Navy. So thank you to Wesley Hunt for, for joining the show. I, I just thought it was interesting to talk to someone because campaigning more or less is getting out there, meeting people, shaking hands, kissing babies. And it feels like you can't really do that right now. So uh, d- dealing with that and also just dealing with the, the turmoil that is just ravaging our country right now and then trying to campaign for office. I, I thought that was an uh, interesting uh, takeaway from from that interview. So thank you to Wesley for joining us. You got to think in congressional spots that the incumbents have a pretty good chance of winning because you can't mm-hmm. campaign the way that you used to. Right, right. So it's even a bigger hurdle to, to change because not only is it an incumbent, but you're trying to change it from, uh, you know, blue back to red. So it's, it's certainly a challenge, but uh, Wesley certainly accomplished enough that I think he's uh, up for the task. All right, let's get into one of the stories that I found really interesting this week. Kate, walk us through what happened. I'm gonna. So I, I am ashamed to admit, I did not know a woman had ever won, not won, but I did not know a woman had ever been awarded the Medal of Honor. No mm-hmm. clue. Never heard of it before. Uh, and the only woman to ever receive one had it taken away more than a century ago, just before she died. And then posthumously restored by President Jimmy Carter, shout out peanuts, in 1977, in a back and forth... <laughs> How fucked up is it that Jimmy Carter was the president of the United States the and the only thing people really know about him is that he had a peanut Big farm. peanut guy. Yeah. That he had to give away. Meanwhile, President Trump goes golfing on his own properties every fucking weekend. Yeah. So President Wait, Jimmy- real quick, real quick. Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Smooth. Oh, depends. Toasted or untoasted bread? Either or. Toasted bread untoasted for crunchy. Untoasted breast, I'm going smooth, toasted bread, crunchy. That's correct. Right. That's the correct Fair. answer. I'm just going crunchy all, all day, yeah. every day. Go ahead. Anyways, <laughs> President <laughs> Jimmy Carter gave it back. They gave it back to her posthumously in a back and forth, not unlike the pitched battles she waged on the front lines for equal rights. The Charles H. Coolidge National Medal of Honor Heritage Center in Chattanooga will now feature an exhibit honoring the contributions of Dr. Mary Walker. Dr. Walker was an unapologetic, groundbreaking civil rights activist who tested the status quo during the Civil War and afterwards. She captured and imprisoned She was captured and imprisoned as a union spy and was arrested for impersonating a man because of her attitude towards women's clothes. I would be fucked I'll make a man out of of you. you. Oh, face ass. The special exhibit includes the medal that President Jimmy Carter, big peanut guy, returned to the family in 1977. (laughs) Walker, one of the first women to graduate from Syracuse Medical School, believed that in order for women to achieve their full potential and gain equality with men, liberation from the confining garments of the day was necessary so you know what i'm gonna start dressing like a man because i want to be treated like a man i want to be equal like a man i don't want to wear like a million petticoats uh and be covered up and all that other stuff so throughout her life she was unrelenting in her right to wear pants 
and was arrested many times because of it. She got arrested for wearing pants. A judge would eventually order police to never arrest Walker on that charge again. In March 1864, she came to Tennessee to volunteer as an assistant surgeon for the U.S. Army in the aftermath of one of the bloodiest and most intense campaigns in the Civil War, and she worked out of converted churches. Churches were converted into these like field hospitals all around Chattanooga. She treated uh, wounded people for grueling long hours, 100 patients per night, supplies often limited, and... This is the time when, hey, bite a rag. I'm sawing your fucking leg off. Like that was. Right. A, yeah, bite a rag, take a shot of whiskey and, and shut up. You have to think like going through that, probably a nightmare. Being the person that had to do it all day long. Gosh. What mm. has that, what kind of strength do you have to have in your mind? Anyways, not only was she doing this, all this medical work, she also used her doctor visits to do a little spying done around the community. Uh, and she would get information on the Confederacy and relay it to the Union. These efforts eventually led to her arrest and imprisonment in the rat-infested Castle Thunder Prison in Richmond, Virginia. Her- Name a scarier sounding place in the world. Rat-infested Cast- <laughs> Castle, Castle Thunder, Thunder Prison. Thunder prison? Uh, no thanks. I'd rather go to Siberia. And her capture was fodder for much publicity down south, with officials noting that people who saw her gawked at the lady physician in bloomers. Confederate Captain Benedict Semmes wrote, this morning, we were all amused and disgusted, too, at the sight of a thing that nothing but the debased and depraved Yankee nations could produce, a female doctor. Ew. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, what a wild, what a bunch of idiots. Anyways, often referred to as the notorious surgeoness of the 52nd Ohio regulars. That's pretty badass. She gained rep for hardiness and defiance. Apparently, she could do a string of cuss words a mile long. And she would demand that malnourished prisoners were also treated fairly and, and given food and all that stuff like that. And she also wrote great letters helping secure pardons and releases for other prisoners. So she was awarded the Medal of Honor for her courageous efforts in 1865. But in 1917, they changed the criteria, took it away from her. But guess what? She said, screw you guys. She wore it until her death at 86. She's kept it. Yeah, even after they it. took it away, she was like, can't think Love of it. But that's really cool. I had no idea. Didn't know. I, I mean, her. imagine that. Imagine t- get, taking it away. Well, now I feel yeah, bad. Like, yeah, grandfather having, it in. Yeah, just having <laughs> yeah. the gall to say, you know what? Uh, we're going to take that away from you. How about we just leave her alone? Kate, yeah. I should also mention, I love you to death because you can effortlessly name a town in Siberia and say that very well, but then posthumously trip you up. <laughs> I can't. I don't know any of these words. To all these presents, greetings, presents, greetings. Uh, yeah, no, I can't read worth the damn. But I think that's really cool. I had no idea. And now I feel bad for complaining about having to wear pants all the time. Mm. So I'm wearing pajamas. You do? Oh, yeah. I'm wearing pajama shorts right now. It's one thirty in the part, afternoon. One part of the story that you uh, you kind of just glossed over, and I think Bear's mentioning explicitly, it said at the Jimmy time. Jimmy Carter. Women- Peanut guy. Peanut guy. Okay. (laughs) At the time, women were expected to wear corsets, sometimes choosing to remove a rib to appear smaller. I thought that was just a rumor we heard growing up. I didn't know that that was something that people actually did. So So maybe, maybe Marilyn Manson was just a big, a big skirt guy. He was maybe that's maybe he was wearing like the old corsets, the old style, and that's yeah. why he needed the ribs removed. Well, rumors were floating around that Kim Kardashian had a rib removed too. Yes, I believe yes, it. Yes, you don't get that kind of hourglass with all your ribs. I'll tell you that much. Mm. You definitely don't. Mm. That's true. Good point. Mm. <laughs> Let's move on to save rounds and alibis. We'll start with you, cons. What do you got? Have you guys had all sorts? And actually, Kate, this might not be a great question because you're down the shore. But have you guys heard about all these fireworks going off all over the place? Wait a minute! Let me tell you what. I get down here down the shore. I'm sitting out in the patio, 
totally socially distancing from my mom and dad who <laughs> I just heard him go, whatever. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm probably going to wipe them out. Anyways. Uh, so one thing over, these kids are floating on tubes out in the bay and I see a guy put a tube down on the dock right next to them. Mm-hmm. Boom. Firework, like real ass, huge ass, loud ass in the middle of the day fireworks. They've been going off everywhere here. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved shooting off fireworks when I was growing up. And then obviously I carried that into my army career as an artillery officer. But what, I don't understand. Have you guys heard anything why it's been going on? Because this is more than usual. This is way Correct. more than usual. And yeah. we're still like two weeks out from 4th of July. So I don't get it. I, I probably should have read more into this, but I figured I would come to the all-knowing co-hosts of Zero Blog 30 from all of my facts. My theory is that because families can't throw the graduation parties, they really want to right now, and they want to make something special for their kids still, that they're like, take this out. We're doing fireworks for you in the backyard tonight. I don't know. That's my guess. What are your personal favorite fireworks, Kate? Oh, man. Uh, with or without the scooter stick. What do you, which do you... <laughs> probably the, the raging bungholes and the whisker-doos. Whisker-doos, whisker-don'ts. Yeah, how about you, chaps? I don't like them. Kate, what do you got for save rounds? <laughs> Uh, really nothing. I'm just, uh, hopefully I'm not wearing sunscreen again this week. I refuse. Uh, Why? 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 Why do you like make my life difficult that, you know, in addition to, you know, the people in my small circle, I have to then worry about you and how you take care of yourself, whether it's not brushing your teeth or showering Mm -hmm. daily and now not wearing sunscreen. What is is this? It's a booger recruit. By the way, I haven't brushed my teeth in like two days down here, but also. Kate! Kate! It's the shore. What the fuck? No, that doesn't mean anything. You still brush your teeth every day. Okay, nerds. Can can you brush your teeth? All right. You should be brushing your teeth twice a day. Can you at least brush once a day? This is you assuming that time is real, okay, and that you are Mm, stuck in a constraint. If a day in my mind is two days, then I'm maybe I'll brush my teeth. Okay, well, please just make an effort. When I come back to the office and we're all back to normal and I'm a golden god, you're going to feel like an idiot. So that's my save round. Okay. Kyle, what about you, pal? I just want to give cons credit where it's due. You did a great job on that ad read, buddy. <laughs> he and, did. And because you did, if you if you would like, go ahead and give us a, a little Go Army, Beat Navy. Let's hear it. Go Army, Beat Navy. Love it. All right. I don't have much. I just got my house tinted. I'm excited about that. What does that mean? Sorry, I'm curious. It's supposed to reduce the amount of UV rays that come through. Oh, yeah. excited about that. So you should obviously see your electric bill go down because your AC shouldn't have to work as hard. Mm -hmm. And my water rower is here. Oh, very nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. Get it. Some changes here. You're about about to be the next Winklevoss. Maybe. It's hard to set. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing all kinds of things. I don't know if I'll start another Facebook, but I will get something accomplished. Whether that's <laughs> maybe just be not being a fat piece of shit. That being said, wore pants that I hadn't worn since before I started like dieting, watching my weight. Last year, I couldn't fit in them when I was trying to go wear them up to New York. Mm-hmm. Couldn't fit in them. They would not snap. Yesterday, so baggy, I had to tighten the belt around them. Wow, that's a great feeling. Good that is a good feeling. Yep, go it's a good feeling. It'll also be a good feeling coming back here on Friday for another edition. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Sound the retreat.